The uh, new series that we're doing, starting this week, and will go on for the next several weeks, is called With, and it's about relationships. You see, we were created for relationship. We were not created to be alone. We were not created to spend time alone all the time. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, society has continued to move us towards this isolation mentality. Uh, As we continue to go through the changes of our culture, it's actually forced us to become more and more alone. Uh, The author Brene Brown tells the story about in, uh, in a West African country, they were working with a community to help them with uh, upgrading their facilities. There were ladies were washing together at the riverbed uh, regularly and they would uh, spend time connecting and communicating with one another. Uh, they had this friendship that they developed. But unbeknownst to uh, that friendship, this group you know, came in and said, hey, we wanna provide you with washing facilities, the ability to wash your clothes on your own, you don't have to travel to the beach or you don't have to travel to the river. And they uh, provided them with a a machine, a unit that would help them to do that. A a lot of the people in the community uh, were really grateful because it, it cut down on the time that they had to wash clothes, which seems like a good idea, except that it destroyed all of the friendships that those women had by being together at the riverside. An unintended consequence of our technology And I think that you and I can say that as we've grown in the technological advances that make our lives easier, it's actually isolating us more and more, keeping us separate from other people. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we communicate without seeing people, right? We are not meant to be alone. Do you believe that you were built for true, radical connections? Even if you're an introvert, you're supposed to be connected with a group of people, all right? All you introverts in the room, I won't ask you to raise your hand because that would just embarrass you unconditionally. I mean, all the introverts would be like, no, don't make me do that. But introverts, you need relationships too. Extroverts, we could probably do with a couple more, uh, but introverts, you all need relationships just like we do. From the moment you were born, you were hardwired for relationship. Just think about all the studies that you've heard about children that have been separated from their birth parents and not been adopted right away, and they're gone into the foster system, and they have this lack of connection, right? Bonding. It's so crucial. Right from the moment we're born all the way through to the time that we die, we need people in our life. And then along comes COVID, right? It destroyed all of the places where we get to see people. It's this uh, government said you can't meet, which I, I agreed with at the time. I mean, it was important that we did that. But what it did was is it, it kept us from connecting with people. And then that village of people that you rely on, you were told that you can't meet with them either. And so all you had left with this was this really narrow group of friends. And if you're single, or you're widowed, if you were, went through that whole period, you were left alone. Many of us were forced to stay with just you know, a handful of people. And now that we're coming out of this, I wanna remind you that you were meant for relationships. Just imagine this, do you know that you're actually built for the following? You are built for long, meaningful, conversations with people who have known you for years and who would give you their kidney? 
You know, you need people like that in your life. You need people in your life who will show up with a pizza and paper plates and just come over and help you because they are allowed to intrude, right? Remember, I talked to you about refrigerator rights a while ago, right? You need people like that in your life. You need people in your life that you can uh, make an unscheduled, unhurried visit with. That there's no time limit. There's no, well, it's about time you go now, right? You need people that you can scream at, that you can yell at, and who love you anyway. We need people who show up early and stay to help clean up, right? Those are the kinds of friends we need. We need people, we need people who hurt you and who you hurt and stick it out nonetheless. No ghosting allowed. And we need people who live on mission with us. They believe that God is calling us to something greater, that there's a group of people in my life that I can serve with and love with and serve others with and love on others with. People who we belong to. But I've got a confession for you. I've hurt people. Some of you are nodding, you're going, yes, you have. And you've hurt me. I've failed in my relationships. And for someone like you who's been hurt by me in this situation, in that situation, you're probably rolling your eyes in your head thinking, what right does he have to talk about friendship? I mean, I'm going to hurt you if we are friends. But you know what? You're going to hurt me as well. We're not easy, always easy going. We're not always the best person to live with. We're not always the easiest person to get along with. Sometimes we're short and irritable and angry. And sometimes we just want to be left alone. And the best of friends say, okay, I'm going to love you, <laughs> even though you're being nasty to me. I'm going to love you. I'm going to stay with you, even though you're wanting to be alone. And you know, those people who would kind of frown upon somebody like me talking about relationships, talking about friendship, growing friendship, they're going to be right in saying that I don't have it right. But neither do you. And over the next few weeks, I want to talk about what it's like to recultivate godly relationships and how God plays a role in this. Because some of you are feeling just desperately alone. And that's not how we were created. People make up the best parts of our life. Last weekend, not this, one, this past one, but the one before, on Friday, I attended a conference with AJ at McMaster University Theological Seminary. The conference was all day on Friday and then all day on Saturday. So uh, we called a, a friend of ours in Hamilton, my best friend. Uh, he's, he was my best friend before I even met AJ, and uh, he was the, the best man at my wedding. His name is Jim. Uh, Jim is kind of like this, um, yeah, I don't know, the bad boy kind of guy, right? He always was. He would always kind of push the boundaries. He'd always kind of want to break the rules, but not too far. Uh, you know, his wife's name is Mary Jane, and he calls her Bobby. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, just to be obtuse, right? Just to be a little bit, you know, different. 
Uh, he's the guy who rides a motorcycle and who drives a muscle car and he's a mechanic, right? You know, you get this, he's got a long beard and he's got a shaved head and I just love the guy. And so AJ calls him up and says, hey, can we spend the night? And they said, sure, come on over. And AJ says, well, we'd be there around such and such a time. That's fine. We won't be home, but just go in and make yourself at home. We'll leave the door unlocked. So there we are. We get to their house. We open the door. Nobody's home. Beautiful house. All nice and clean. Walk in. And we make ourselves at home. We open the fridge, get what we want, lay down on the couch, put my feet up, move all our stuff in. That's the kind of friends that you're looking for, aren't you? You know, the kind of friends where it's okay, you feel okay, not just you get permission to, but you feel okay going to the fridge and eating something out of the fridge without asking first. That's the kind of friends that you want to have and you want to cultivate. The best parts of our life is the people in our life. But also, people make up the most painful parts of our life, right? I mean, I've had several friends recently. I just struggled with this. I've spent years with someone. We've worked together, walked together, discipled each other, uh, shared our life in such an intimate level that I felt like I could go into their home and I could have that kind of relationship. And then for some reason, either I did something that I don't know about, and I'm still trying to figure this out, And then there are times when I have done something. But then for some reason, the relationship just ended. And it wasn't over anything big. I don't know, can you feel that pain? I literally cried when this person said, I don't don't know if I can be your friend. I don't even know if I like you. Can you imagine living with someone, working with someone, serving with someone for so long and they turn to you and say, I don't even know if I like you. Nothing hurts more than when a friend does something like that. But they are the most crucial relationships you will have outside of the one with your heavenly father. The person that you love, who you're willing to be unconditional with. And love generously. But you will disappoint people. (laughs) And guess what? You're going to disappoint me. I have some pretty high standards, by the way. (laughs) You're going to disappoint me. And I'm going to disappoint you. But God will never disappoint us. And I want to talk to you about how we're going to frame this next few weeks about what that's like. I want to talk to you about uh, something that's really, really important. The gospel has proposed to us a framework about how we're supposed to have a relationship with God, a relationship with God where Jesus says, I give my life for you. I am your friend, but I'm also your savior. I want to be so, so close to you that you come to me with everything that's going on in your life. When you're lonely and frustrated, when you're hurt, when you are overjoyed, when you're thankful beyond the moon, I want you to come to me and share that with me. And God says, I will be with you always. I will never leave you. I will never turn to you and say, I don't know if I even like you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, therefore, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What that means is that there is nothing that I can do that will lead to condemning from God and my relationship with him. He says, 
You can do it all. It's not going to change that you're my friend. Isn't that a great model for friendship? For true, deep friendships. And I'm not talking about the whole world here. I just want to put this up on the screen here. I want you to see this for a minute. You know, in our, in our social life, we can have acquaintances, right? That's that big group of people that we know from school or we know from work, we know uh, from church. We have about 50 people that can go into that category, but that's about it. We can't handle any more than that because we can't remember their names, right? I'm worse. I'm only good for about 20 because I can't remember people's names. <laughs> oh, it's awful. <laughs> That's why I'm going to hurt you, okay? One of them is I'm going to forget your name. Uh, but then, uh, so this sociologist back in the 60s, uh, his name is uh, Edward T. Hill. He developed this theory of proxemics, or for those of you who are egg-heady like me and want to know that kind of stuff. But anyway, he said there are about three groups. The first one is acquaintances, and we've got like 50 max. The second group is your village or your social kind of circle. And that's that community of diverse people that are consistent, you are interconnected with them, and they are the people that you reveal yourself to, right? I mean, uh, this group here is about 45 or so, or 40, but it's smaller than that. It's, it's people that I hang out with, people I do sports with. It's people that I go, sometimes go to church with or I have a small group with. Jesus had his 12 disciples in this category. It's kind of like a group of five to 15 people. But then there's also the close friends group. And for you introverts, maybe it's two or three people. And for us extroverts, it's maybe five and we want it to be 70, uh, you know. Uh, but we really only can handle just a couple. And this is what we really want. We really want the close friends group, right? That's what we want. That's what we're rooting for. We want to get to that spot. And unfortunately, uh, COVID forced us to just hang out with that group of people. Now, if that group of two to five were people that you didn't like during COVID, I'll, I'll be praying for your long-term psychological health. <laughs> Maybe you got to the end of COVID and said, I don't like you. I don't know. But we want this lower part, right? We want to have friends, the, the kind of friendship that I've described here. But what we've skipped is this one here. We've skipped the middle one. We've come out of COVID. We've come out of that uh, lockdown where we said no relationships, no connection, no dialogue. And now we're moving into this place where all of a sudden it's opened up and we have almost no one in that category. Some of you are already nodding your head. You're like, yeah, that's me. But if you really want these close relationships, maybe you're in the category where you're like, I don't have any close friends. They disappeared. They left. I got divorced. You know, my friendships, I moved and they're all back there and I don't have any here. If you really want to delve into this idea of friendship, we're going to have to focus on the village. And that's what I want to do with you over the next few months. But first, I want to talk about your relationship with God. I want to talk about what that, uh, how it is that we are supposed to frame those relationships. And that uh, really means that there is uh, a, a theology, a thinking, a godly principle about what it means to be in relationships with other people. Because our relationship with God is going to shape how we relate to other people. So where did this idea of community come from? Well, I want to take you back to uh, 
you know, the Bible and talk about how the, uh, God existed in the beginning in community. So I don't know if you realize this or not, but the, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're a family. That's a family. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's a family. We don't think of God as a family oftentimes. We think of God as God, and we don't put that maybe label on it or that description, but it was a family dynamic. It was how they related to one another. That they, and they did that for all eternity. You imagine being stuck with three people in your family for all eternity? I hope you love each other, right? They loved each other. Colossians chapter one, I'm gonna put it up on the screen here. You can follow along. Christ is the invisible image, sorry, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So just let me stop there for a second, unpack that. Christ is the image, Jesus Christ is the image of who God the Father is. So if I wanna know what God the Father's like, I look at Jesus. So if you've read the Bible and you've read what Jesus is like, or you've heard people describe their relationship with Jesus, that's what God the Father is like because we have, uh, don't have a visible person that we can compare it to. So the Bible describes Jesus and all that he did. So Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ existed before ever, anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I think a lot of us think that Jesus was born in a manger and that's where he began. No, no. Bible tells us that he was always there. That he was there before everything was created. For through him, that is Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Christ made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He, that's Christ, existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So this, this relationship between God the Father and Jesus Christ, and their relationship is eternal. They were a family together. Through Jesus, the heavenly Father created all things. Jesus was there when things were created. He was there before time. They had this powerful relationship together. And together, they hold all creation in their hands. Isn't that kind of, that's like blow your mind kind of stuff. So the sun exists to glorify the heavenly father. Everything that Jesus did glorifies his heavenly father. It says in John chapter 17. And everything that the father does glorifies the son. So there's this, you know, um, I'm in a friendship with a few people here in the church. And if I do it right, I lift them up and I make them feel better. I encourage them. I, I help them. I serve them. That's what it means to, 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 to glorify in a human sense another person to say, you know what? You're awesome. You're great. This is what you're good at. How can I help you? Where do you, where do you have a need? You want to step out and serve someone. And you're hoping that that person does the same thing back to you. In a marriage relationship, that's where, that's where we're at, right? If we want a truly loving and beautiful relationship with someone, we want to give to them in such a way that they also want to give back. Not because they do, but because we want to love the way God loves. The Heavenly Father and the Son work together. Another scripture I want to put up, John 16, verse 13 to 15. When the spirit of truth comes, so this is Jesus speaking, he, that is the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will not speak on his own, but will tell you what the Holy Spirit has heard. The Holy Spirit will tell you about the future. 
The Holy Spirit will bring me glory by telling you wherever, whatever he receives from me. So there's such close relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus that the Jesus thoughts are being communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. God created us out of the relationship that he had between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They looked at each other in Genesis chapter one and said, let us make human beings in our image. In the image of God, they were created. It's out of relationship that we were created. God created us out of relationship, not to be self-seeking, you know, not to be rude, but to be selfless to be intimate in our relationships, to be moment by moment in our connections, for it to be beautiful. That's what we're seeking for. And that's what I wanna walk us through, what the divine, what the godly can say to us as we reach out as friends to people in our lives. I guarantee you, it's going to take some work from you, right? In order for you to be connected and in community with someone else, we cannot wait for them to engage with us. And we're at a point in our culture where I think that we have to be responsible to begin that journey by stepping into the relationship with others. It's part of our extended family. God's first community on earth, his family, his community, was Adam and Eve. So out of that relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God creates Adam. What's the famous line uh, that is in the beginning of the Bible? Uh, God created Adam and said it's not good for him to be alone, right? Why? Because the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were not alone. They understood what it was like. It's not good to be alone. So he created Eve, Tim Keller said this, some of you may know Tim Keller, a great author. He said, the life of the Trinity is characterized by self, not by self-centeredness, but by mutually self-giving love. When we delight and serve someone else, we enter into a dynamic orbit around him or her, centered on their interests and desires that create a dance, particularly if there's three persons, each of whom moves around the other two. If you have a relationship and you've got a friend group, you know the delight that it can be when you are entered into this selfless, others-centered relationship. And you also know what it is to be alone. When someone has been selfish, and someone has said no, or they just shut you off. We were built for a relationship first and foremost with God. And if we put God first, we have this wonderful example about how we're supposed to relate to God and how he's supposed to relate to us. And then we can take that and build relationships with other people. Now, I want you to think about heaven for a minute. Anybody want to go there soon? Has life been tough enough that you think to yourself, my goodness, it would be nice if heaven came soon. I mean, I want all my family to come with me, but, you know, there are days, right? But I want you to think about heaven, how the Bible describes it. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, there's a prayer in there, a phrase in there that says, um, your kingdom come, your will be done, what? On earth. earth as it is in heaven. On earth 
as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come and your will be done. God, your will is up there. No, it's not up there. We're asking, we're praying that it would come down here, that your will, the kind of relationship that I have with you, God, it works for relationships too. God, I want your kingdom relationship with me to be the kind of relationship that I have with other people. I want your will, the will that you have for us, to go, a plan that is good, to set healthy boundaries, sure, to be in relationship just like you were in relationship with your son and with the Holy Spirit. I want that relationship here on earth as it was in heaven. And I want to have that with other people. And I want to have that God-intended kind of relationship. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to uh, share with you a couple of thoughts about some things. I'm going to ask uh, Janice to put the the next slide up. Uh, Not the scripture verse, but the, the next one. Here it is. There are five patterns that I want to talk about over the next one. Five heavenly patterns that I want to dig into each week that we're together. The first one is about proximity, right? You can't have friends unless you're in close proximity. Although, you know, online, there is a way to do it, but you have to feel like you're in close proximity when you're online. That's why when we, uh, when we communicate with you online and in, uh, in person on Sunday morning, when we communicate with you online, we say, make sure you put some comments in the comment section. Why? Because it, it helps us to feel close. If it helps us to feel in proximity. When you say an amen in the, in the comment section, that helps the others online feel connected. When you, you click the like or you do the happy face or whatever it is, uh, when you do that online and you worship with us, that helps uh, you feel connected. Now you can have connected relationships from a distance. But now that we're post-COVID and we're moving out into the news phase again, we're going to talk about proximity and what that means about uh, connecting with people that you see most often. And then we're going to talk about transparency. This is one of the fundamental characteristics of having friendships, to be transparent. Not so transparent that we scratch all our wounds and we bleed all over our friends, um, but transparency where I get to share what's on my heart. People that you can trust, people that you can truly be yourself with. We're going to talk about what that's like, how to develop that, how to cultivate that. We're going to talk about your accountability with others. That is so important. I need somebody who's going to whack me upside the head when I step out of line. Don't. There you go, right? (laughs) Somebody's offering already. (laughs) We got these boom whackers yesterday. AJ got them for for Kara for her her class. Anybody know what boom whackers are? They're, they're tubes, they're plastic tubes, and if you hit them, they play a note. So people, like eight people in a row will hold two each, and they'll play a song, like ringing bells. But they're plastic, and they make this boom sound. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs a boom whacker upside the head. I need that every once in a while, all right? But so do you, right? You need a friend, someone that you trust to come up alongside you and go, are you, you're being an idiot, you need to come down. You need to put it away, <laughs> right? You need to calm down or whatever it is. And we're talking about healthy accountability and relationships and about how to say no to people who step over those boundaries, how to be healthy in good boundaries with friends, right? You don't want them to step so far over the line that, that they become a problem. <laughs> we're also going to talk about our shared purpose, 
And that's going to be on the uh, weekend where we gather together as a community up at Knox Christian School. I'm going to preach that message to you, but also to the other churches. There could be three, 400 people there as we talk about this idea of a shared purpose on mission together. That one of the ways that you build friendships and relationships is by serving together, by doing something significant. Remember the last time that you had a project that you did with a group of people? How good you felt about the relationships, especially if it was successful, right? It was like you guys all high five together. And at the end of that, you were like, we are awesome. <laughs> and then you walked away from that that project or that thing that you did and you look back upon it and you go, wow, we were really connected. And then consistency. Keeping yourself out there, connecting with people on a regular basis. And I'm talking about that group in the village area, right? That middle space. Because your closest friends are gonna come out of that space. I think this is one of the things that we are going to be needing to focus on in the next while. Here's a couple of reasons. One, you need close friends that you can trust. You're only going to be able to see who you like and who likes you when you engage in that larger group of people. Another reason is, is because when you see that larger group of people and you find someone who's close to you, that is a relationship that is going to be like iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. You will get better because of the people in your life. And that's part of what's, what we're called to be here on earth. So that's the discipling relationship. Like, who are the wise people and people who are going to be part of my life? And another thing is, is that if you're connected with a group of people, you can share with them the great news about your relationship with God because they already trust you. I'm not, I, I would never ask you to go to step up to someone who you don't know at all and talk about the fact that you went to church on Sunday and had a great time. They wouldn't care. Why would you say it to them, right? They're like, so what? I went to basketball on Thursday. I mean, you know, uh, I want you to be able to share your story with people that you already connect with, that who like you <laughs> and you want to hang around with. And that's the way that we get to share the message of the gospel. All of that is what we're working towards in this next series, right? That small group of friends that's going to bring about a difference in your life that you have, you know, some of you have fun friends and some of you have wise friends and some of you have, you know, friends that are, uh, that are always making plans for you and people who, uh, friends that are, cheer you on. You need a group of people to do that because one person can't be that for you. Maybe some of you know this. When you, when you want to have fun, you call this person on the phone, right? And, and if you need advice and wisdom, you call that person. Some of you know this. Right? You need a group of people in your core who are going to represent the great goodness of God in your life. All of the glory of God in a friendship relationship because we're not able to do it on our own. C.S. Lewis wrote this about a friend of his that passed away. C.S. Lewis and R.R. Uh, Tolkien, the guy who wrote the Lord of the Rings series, and C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia Chronicles, they had a group of friends uh, together. They called themselves a writing group. I can't remember the name of the group at the moment. It just escapes me. But the, the Inklings, right. Thank you, uh, Dan. That's good. He's got points right there. That guy, he probably Googled it. Why don't you sit in there? The Inklings. Uh, so C.S. Lewis was talking to his friend uh, Tolkien, and he said this. In each of my friends, there's something that only some other friends can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough 
to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights other than my own to show all my facets. And then they were talking about a friend of theirs, Charles, who had died. He said, now that Charles is dead, I shall never see Ronald's reaction to specifically a Charles joke. Ronald Tolkien, his name was Ronald. So he's saying, look, Charles is the one who made Tolkien laugh. And now that he's gone, I'm never going to see Tolkien like that again. Because he brought out something in him that I couldn't. I shall never see Ronald's reaction. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I actually have less. When you have a group of friends, you have more than what you had together. I think that maybe the question that I'm asking here is not about how to make friends so much as how can I belong to an intimate community of people? And that's our journey over the next couple of weeks. Would you come back and bring someone? Bring someone who is feeling lonely, disconnected, who needs a community. Bring someone who is out there and who's gregarious and who loves to connect and bring them to connect with this group of people. We'd love to be able to share the journey of Jesus and the growth of friendship together as we connect. That's the journey that we're on over the next couple of weeks. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the fact that you were in such great friendship with one another. It just boggles my mind to think that you got to talk together for all eternity and not have any of the messy stuff that goes on in my friendships. Lord, I just really am amazed at how you support one another and care for one another and you represent each other so well. Lord, help my friendships to be like that each one of us here would want to be the kind of friend that you are to your heavenly father. Lord, help us to be the kind of person that someone else is looking for in a friend. Lord, as we move towards you, we're going to become more like you. Help us to change and transform into the people that you want us to be so that others can see who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.